0: This is The Marty Ray Project, Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, or a rap song turned acoustic cover. If you're a real project, or maybe one of my three original albums as well. Regardless of how you know me now, my whole career actually started with a podcast years ago before everybody had one and back when podcasts got no respect at all. The times have changed a little, and this is me coming back to my roots in a way, and this time... I'm bringing some friends along with me. Like my co-host Jim Best, Country Music Hall of Fame steel guitar player and producer. He's a one. Played on a bunch of legendary country music songs that you probably know, probably heard them. If you don't know either of us, thanks for tuning in anyway. I bet you'll love it. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Rodecaster Pro. Thank you so much, Rode. We love you. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Let's chat. Today, we have a songwriter with hit songs like I'm Not Easy by Billy Joe Spears and From Cotton to Satin by Johnny Paycheck that that he wrote with our good buddy here, Jim Vest. He's written songs for some massive artists like George Strait, Charlie Pride, Tanya Tucker, and one of my favorites of all time, Keith Whitley, just to name a few. He's from Fort Worth, Texas, and I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan, so he's a friend of mine for sure, and he's a friend of Jim's. Welcome to the show, David Chamberlain. It's nice to be here, Marty. Thank you. We appreciate you coming out and taking time off of your songwriting schedule to come out and grace us with your presence.
1: Oh, I appreciate you letting me be on your show.
0: Well, this is our show, and uh, I didn't have a choice, even if I wouldn't have, but I'm glad you're here and I wanted you here. Well, I thank Jim Vest, too, because he's close, close, close. He's a good fella sometimes <laughs> until he kisses you in the mouth. You better not kiss David in the mouth today because he's sick. I'm not sick. I just have a, I have a sinus infection. That's all. Oh, well, you're good, Jim. Yeah. You're Pucker. you still P- good. <laughs> <laughs> you still good then. <clears throat> Go ahead and kiss away after the show though. I don't want to hear none of that on these microphones. Okay. Might have to rethink that a minute. Not like last show, Jim.
2: uh i'm enjoying this we're doing this about every friday and something new for me you know how i I do no internet at all i get somebody to do whatever needs to be done but uh when i was asked if i might want to do this i thought you know might to just jump into 2020 and try something new so what's the internet I'm,
0: just kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah, there you I'm go. There you go. I'm kidding. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it comes to him, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, now, we start every show with a fast five. We ask you five quick questions and you give us five quick answers. An- ask them. Ready? Yes, sir. All right. What's your favorite hobby? Songwriting. Other than songwriting? Playing with my grandkids. There you go. Because songwriting is kind of your job, too, so. Not really so much a hobby. But it is good to have a hobby as a job, though, I yeah. will say. Um, favorite sport? Football. Football. Who's your favorite team? Titans. Son of a gun.
1: Well, when I they, was when sure he going to say Cowboys. When they got rid of Landry and uh, and uh, Jimmy, I was uh, – and then I moved up here. You gave up. I gave up. I just didn't uh, – I just don't know that team anymore, but it's still my home state. And, yeah. And, I, I mean, I have nothing against them if it's the Super Bowl. I'd be rooting for them. You know Right that? on.
0: I'm the same way but opposite with <laughs> but uh, the Cowboys and Titans. So the Cowboys is always my number one team. And then when the Titans – it seemed like the Titans might make it to the Super Bowl this year, I was all about the Titans. I just don't think uh, – I gonna, got I, into look. the Titans this year real good. I really rooted hard for them, and they did good. Yeah, they did real good. They really did good. Yeah, they I'm upset some big-time teams. Yeah. So I really thought that they were going. I really did. I, and even that last game with the Chiefs, I thought, well, they got it. They're killing it. And then it just went to crap after that. But anyway, uh, catfish or crappie? Catfish. Really?
1: Yeah. I'm crappie. crappie
0: all the way. Yeah. I'm crappie all the way. That's too hard to clean them.
2: Strip all the way. I don't, I don't get mine. They're already cleaned and no, normally fried.
0: <laughs> That's right.
2: Mine are already fried too. Mine are normally fried and I get into
1: it. I was always a bottom fisherman anyway. You know, sit back with a cool one and let the line jiggle a little. That's what yeah. I Yeah.
0: That's the easiest way to fish, the most laid back way. That's a laid back way. <laughs> yeah. Just put the, get you a nasty stink bait and chunk the line out and let it set sit on the bottom until a catfish bites it.
1: Show one ounce weight on it and uh, two hooks up there on the leaders and let it sit on the bottom, let that pole bend and just have
0: a little fire going and kick back. Yeah. You see, that's what we always did when the crappie weren't biting. We, re- we resorted to that fishing. That's so you, what we usually did. Seriously.
1: I've crappie fished, uh, Just like I said, they're a little small for me to mess with.
0: Well, you just ain't fishing in the wrong holes, ain't you? I'm telling you now, (laughs) I've seen some two-pound crappie that was awful good. I have. Slab of meat like my hand right there. Yes, sir. I've caught many
2: of them. Yeah, buddy. My Um, partner cooked them. Oh, Lord, did he cook them good. Jim Fawn. Oh, yeah. You know, Jim died this year. Oh, I did not know that. Bless his heart. I'm sorry, but.
1: You remember I bought that convertible from my daughter's first car from him?
2: Well, he passed here uh, just a little before December.
1: Yeah. God bless him. You're right.
0: Favorite snack food other than catfish? Snack food. (laughs) My God, man, I've eaten a lot of snacks. What is your go-to? What's the one you pick up when you go to a gas station? Road trip or something. You got to have that snack. Well, if I go on a road trip, I always liked uh, Boston baked beans. On the road trip? Oh, yeah. You driving down the road eating baked beans out of can? Boston
1: baked beans and tater chips and a Coca-Cola and just keep on riding.
0: You just... (laughs) You're right. You're driving down the road, <clears throat> he, he, shoveling he, beans in your mouth while you're driving. Yeah, I mean, you know it's like a candy, you know. It's, yeah, it's, I just don't. It seems like it would be complicated, not when you, cumbersome. Are you talking about Boston
2: baked beans, or are you talking about Boston baked a uh, Boston peanuts? They're, but they're called Boston
1: baked beans, and, and they and they come in a, a little you know little, a little, little sack baked, of them yeah. and they oh got...
0: you talking about peanuts that's covered in something yeah yes, but they're, they're, sugar but they're, oh. but they're but
1: they're called Boston baked beans
0: oh, okay I didn't know that I was thinking you were talking about a can of baked beans oh yeah, no. I, that's why I jumped in there
1: just to <laughs> save, save y'all you, j- j- you know
2: because <laughs> I was like you're always saving me was somebody like, was going down for the third <laughs> time right then
0: <laughs> I was like what the heck he's opening up a can of baked beans and uh, and no, eating them no, while no. he's driving with his knee I don't know. Anyway, uh, Chevy, Ford, or who cares? Well, grew up Chevy, but I am a a Buick guy. So you're still GM then? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I grew up Chevy, and then uh, what what are you? What are you, Dodge? Ford, and then Dodge, yeah. And then Chevy last. Well, that's not a
2: Chevy out there. That's a GMC. Same thing. I know it, but it's it's a better grade
0: of a Chevy. Not really. No same. bow tie on the D. Same chassis, same. You know, the bow tie dresses it up, so you take the bow tie off, it's a little slouchy. Yeah,
2: no bow tie. Yeah. Honest, I'll just tell you out honest God's truth. I've <laughs> had about six vans, and I had one Dodge, and every one of them after that, me being a Ford man, were all Chevy vans. And I know one of them I put close to 600,000 miles on. Right. Tuck an extra motor, an extra transmission, but still the same rear end,
0: same uh, bearings up in the wheels and stuff. Still doing it. A wise man once said, "Like a rock," about Chevy. His name was Bob Seeger. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. Uh, the old blue van. You remember that old blue I, van? I, I had? remember all of them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There was a steel guitar sitting up in the back of it all the time. Mm. Chevy uh,
0: did you good, and you and you put him on the bottom of the list. It uh, carried your they carried your money. It did all them it, years. It did, um, uh, and it made the bottom of the list. That's a heck of a note for Chevy.
2: My first car was a '51 Ford, and it was—I mean—primo.
0: Had about thirty thousand on it when I uh, first got it. Well, I'll tell you what happened with me. I, my dad was always a Chevy person, and we—we we were Chevy people all the way. And when I grew up, I said, "Ain't none of these trucks any better than the other." In real in reality, uh, just a matter of if you get a lemon or not. Usually, that's how it happens. Somebody gets a certain brand, and they get a lemon, and they just give them problems. They switch to something else, and then forever whatever the first truck is, it gives them a good, a good run. That's what they are anyway, moving on. So I read somewhere that you said, Jim, Jim vest here is the one that got you started in the business. When he introduced you to people that made things happen like Billy Sherrill. Well, he did. Jim vest
1: was, uh, playing in a band, uh, in the the Western room in printer's alley, excuse me. And, uh, I went down to Printer's Alley. I was in town and I uh, was by myself. My wife was was back home. I, w- I was working in the furniture store, and I went down the alley and I, I saw this black gentleman with the top hat on, standing in front of this thing called the Western Room, and I, and I heard this music. and I said, "My goodness, <laughs> that that's records!" And I went in there and I saw Jim and his band. I became friends with all of them, Diane Cheryl, and all of them. The, the girl singer he had and. Uh, The sad part about this, I just wore him out. And I've always, I've laughed about this over the years that uh, I pestered him. I'd be back the next night pestering him to write, introduce me, pestering him. So one night he said, David, excuse me, he said, I'll write with you for six months. And if we don't write a hit, I don't want you to (laughs) ever bother me again about writing a song.
2: And And on my break, it was always on my break, you know, as soon as I'd get off. I don't
1: know if you remember this, Jim, but uh, one night I came in there and I couldn't find him. One of his buddies knew I'd been passing him, Jack Leonard. He said, David, he said, there's a little hallway right there in the back. That's where he's at. <laughs> that was so funny. I went back there and Jim said, My
2: God, how did you find me, Chamberlain? <laughs> I worked so hard. This is a fact. Day in sessions every day in a club five or six nights a week. And I go back and get a power nap for 20 minutes. And I'd lay down on that couch, and I'd done it enough that I could wake up in nineteen minutes, and you know, get myself together and come back out and feel refreshed, you know. And that was one time that he come back here and I'd laid out on the couch. Jim beating on the door. Jim, got to hear. We think about this title, <laughs> you know. And I think that's about when I told him, you know, we I'm, we I'm, we're gonna take a shot. And I'm son of a gun. If we didn't sit down the first night we wrote, and wrote, I'm not easy. I'm a lady. And Larry Butler cut it, and we had a top 10 record with Billy Joe Spears. First thing. then the next weekend, we sat down, and I think we wrote From Cotton to Satin. And that was going to be the Paycheck uh, uh, album. Title, first single, everything, until we finally cut Take This Job and Shove It was the last song we cut.
1: You might remember this, though, Jim, that you played it for Johnny Paycheck, and he loved it so much that he, he came down and did the demo. Yeah, he did.
2: He sure enough Did David Allen Cole kept you from getting that? that uh, single, he did. He? You know, but you know, I've never been like bitter about it or whatsoever because I think Cotton to Setting might have been good for for maybe sale on a, a maybe a million records or something like that. I knew we'd had a good number one probably with it, but you know, the last c- count that I'd heard was about fifteen million. On which one? On Take This Job and Shove It album. Hey. Uh, and uh, uh, he, uh, <laughs> we got old Red in here. <laughs> yeah, we got old Red come to visit and he's pawing on my leg. <laughs> uh, I hope he's not got to do anything. Go away, Red. Well, don't do it in here, Red. No, Red. <laughs> <laughs> don't
1: forget that uh, Gene Watson made a great oh, record. Oh,
2: Gene Watson come and, 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 and said, man, I want to cut that and I give him a copy and he he cut it and I think I was working the Stockyards when he brought it to me that night. He said, I... And he done my demo. I had den, done the demo. And he said, Jim, he said, I'm having a hard time out singing your butt on this. I, I feel like I ain't done it justice. And I said, Well, let's listen. And when I heard it, boy, he had done her
0: justice. I loved it. Oh, I did You know, too. Jack Green
2: cut it. Oh, lots of people cut it. A bunch cut that song, yeah. Did
0: you cut it for your new
2: album? Yes, it's on, it's on okay. the new album. Okay, I like hearing that. Yeah, I'm going to cut two or three things that we've written. Uh, a couple of them paycheck things that was cut, and uh, and I, my album is just going to be whatever the hell I like. I don't, I don't happen. It's not going to have a theme, right? It's just whatever the hell I think I want to cut. Billy, I mean, uh, Buddy will cut a track and and uh, start singing. You know, that's how all my albums are. <laughs> I just wish I <laughs> got this interested when I was in my thirties instead of waiting until you know I'm seventy-five when we started this album. And we're going to finish it this year, four years to cut it. Yeah, that's a shame it took as long as it has. Yeah, I lost all of 18 because I was sick, but mm-hmm. we're by that now.
0: Way past it. Way past it. Yep. Yeah, feeling good now, everybody. Uh, David? Yes, sir? When you moved to Nashville, where you came from, Fort, you just up uprooted and said, I'm just going to go to Nashville and see what happens, <laughs> actually, I'm going to head to Printer's Alley.
1: Actually, I was uh, – I moved from Fort Worth to, uh, Carpus Christi as I'm, I was a singer more than a songwriter. So
0: you originally wanted to be an artist?
1: No. Well, I, I really didn't. I just thought I was a, a good, uh, a nightclub singer. I had a great band. I could do Ray Price and Johnny Bush and all of them. And, and everybody loved it and we moved to Corpus and did the same thing. And then we moved to Houston. Well, everybody down there played and sang. And I just, uh, one day, I told my wife, "I said I, you know I'm gonna move to Nashville and work, and I'll send for you." And uh, I uh, worked at John F. Lohan Furniture. I don't know if they're still in business, but uh, uh, anyway, that's uh, that's my story about moving up here. And, uh, I,
0: I, and speaking of which, that's uh, Diane Cheryl calling. I love Diane
2: Cheryl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Calling Jim's phone. I bet you Mark just called her and said, guess who I've been talking
2: to? Well, I bet you. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So how long were you here before you started venturing over to Printer's Alley? Because I always heard that Printer's Alley back in those days was like a hidden jewel, hidden treasure for big acts to go and hide. Oh, there were lots of people. I mean, I
1: saw stars walking up and down, you know, Lauren Green. I I always loved seeing him. Just Jim had people pouring in that movie stars and you hug his neck. And mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, uh, he just had one of the greatest bands too. And everybody wanted to sing with his band because they knew they were going to get the team.
0: So back then, was it actually a hidden treasure trove for people that weren't tourists? Is that true or not?
2: Well, th- there was a couple of things working in our behalf. Before that, I had, uh, been on the road for 10 years part of that Pee Wee king some david houston uh johnny duncan and uh billy walker and i had played with everybody that worked at the opry and then so many people that we had met on the road that was even in some pop music and stuff and uh so uh i knew all these people and we were only two blocks from the grand oval opry we were on 4th Street, or, or between 4th and 3rd there in that alley, and the uh, Opry was just a block and a half, two blocks away.
1: Well, on the other end, Jim, you had George Jones put in Possum Holler. And Holler, then there.
2: down the hill, you know, uh, there he put a, uh, George put a club in called Possum Holler, and it had a big dance floor, and we didn't have a dance floor really. Ours was more or less a listening room, but um, uh, we had so many of the, the Grand Ole Opry people that I knew first off and then it was just a little way from there. We had a nice parking lot right across the alley right there. You know, I mean, time you walk from the length, less than the length. Well, after my driveway, you was in a parking lot that was five or six stories high. And you could dump your car there for five bucks and then walk over, drive, you know, and get you, your drink. So it was handy for all the, the, the Grand old Opry people to come to. It was handy for all the uh, Hee Haw people to come to. And then when you had these many people come into that spot right there, there were, you know, I shook hands with a million people a year in that alley. And it just got out to where, you know, when you and Billy Sherrill, I'd look out and see him every night or two. And he always had people because of his status. He, Helen and I turned down one night to eat supper with uh, uh, Red uh, uh, skeleton. No, I met, I met Red. Red Robert, Fox. Re- Robert Redford. Robert Robert Redford. He was in town and a guest of Billy's. And Billy, I said something about, boy, that's my wife's favorite artist. And I come home and told her, I said, we're going have supper tonight with Robert Redford. And she turned white. She said, I really don't want to go. I don't have nothing to wear and all this other stuff. And I said, what's the real
0: reason? She said, I'm afraid he just won't be in person the way I. Never put. meet your heroes type of thing. That's exactly it. Yeah. Now, what was the fiddle and steel? When you were down That there. that was until I didn't, had left there and been gone for a long time. Yeah, but that building was still there, wasn't it? Wasn't that the same place? Uh no, it's not the same place. It's another club that was a door or two down. And um, No, I'm saying what was the fiddle and steel back then? What was that actual That was called the Carousel Club back then. Carousel Club.
2: And that's where Boots Randolph worked until Boots built him a little club across the alley from the Western Room. Right. You had a real nice uh, high-dollar restaurant, the Western Room, the Black Poodle, which they done stripping and stuff like that in. You had a little small empty lot, uh, about 50 foot wide or less. And then you had the carousel. And then on the corner down there, you had Skull's Rainbow Room. Hmm. Skull's the one that got killed there in the alley years ago. Some guys, he always wore those uh, overalls. He got from he Haw. And he liable to have $15,000 or whatever rolled up in a knot down in his bib, you know, and undoubtedly somebody seen him pull that wad out and uh, got in there with nobody else in the building with him, I guess. He just opened, I'm, I'm not sure how, but they cut his throat, took his money, and they finally caught them boys in Florida someplace, but they done him up good. Hmm. And the fiddle and steel thing, that was something that was a few years after I left, and I went through printer's alley, about three years ago, and they had tore down the Western Room, David, and I got two <coughs> bricks out of it, and uh, I've got one of them laying out here now that I'm going to have brass plaques put on of all, all the players through the years. Well, that would be great. That worked for the Nashville Cats. And, David, there was 20 or 30 of them. I didn't realize there was that many, but they were mm. all great musicians, and all of it stayed that high standard of music, you know. So, David, what was um, – I know one of our first cuts was uh, with uh, uh, I'm Not Easy.
1: Right. And help me with some more stuff now. Well, of course, Cotton cotton Satin, as you know. And then uh, we had uh, It Just Won't Feel Like Cheating With You, uh, Sammy Smith. Sammy Smith. Oh, God, I loved her. We had uh, The Land of Cotton, Adonis Fargo. Remember? I forgot about that, but Dottie West cut that too, didn't she? I know she cut. She cut. When I have the album at home,
2: I just have to look and see. It never was released. I never, I uh, I don't think it, that, that I, I never got a copy of it. I heard it one time, uh, and I'm going to tell you something you may not know too. I was overdoing a radio show with Devin O'Day, with WSM, and when I walked in and sat down and everything got started, you know, she started playing. Uh, uh, your sweet lies just turned down my sheets again. I thought, man, there's something wrong with that. That's not Tammy Wynette. And I looked at her sort of funny, and she said, I got you, didn't I? And I said, yeah. She said, you didn't know that you had this, did you? I said, no. Who is that? It sounds so familiar. She said, Dottie West. Cut that. Did you know that? I have the album.
1: Well, I don't, and it just got me. Well, huh? I, I, you know, like I said, I'm not technical, but I, I ordered a new uh, turntable and I'm putting all of our songs on it. You know, they go from the turntable to an MP3 yeah. on the computer, then I'll convert it to a CD. So you'll have, you got to put up with all my songs on there too.
2: And that's all right. You know, that's what I'm, I'm getting to right now is past our, our time. Uh, David come by to see me one day and he said, hey, Jim, he said, I've got this song started. <clears> and uh, he sang me a verse in the course and he said, man, you want to help me finish this? I said, David, I'm working so hard right now. I love you. He said, well, I'm going to, Continue to work on it. Well, he continued to work. Next thing you know, George Strait had it. Next thing you know, you've got a number one. That's Song of the Year. It's Song of the Year. Uh, What's going on in your world. What's going on in your world. This is one y'all wrote? No, he offered me half of it, already half done. Mm. And I was working my butt off and told him I didn't have time right then. Son of a gun. Yeah. Did y'all ever have a number one? Not. Did we together? I don't know if we had. I thought we didn't
1: have any number ones together. But the songs we wrote, some of them are standards. I mean, people after all these years remember them, and that to me, that's a standard.
2: I can start singing "Cotton to Satin" anywhere, right? And they'll I look out in the audience, and they're singing the words with me.
1: I did did a writer's night, uh, not 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 a writer's deal, but it was a, a benefit that their super songwriter, Bryce Long, took me to up in Kentucky. And he said, Aren't "You know, I was about done. I was gonna sing one of these new bro songs." He said, "Man, you gonna do that song?" And I did. And and the, and the people, they smiled and laughed. You could see
2: them singing along. Makes you feel good. Yeah. So anyway, we, uh, he brought me another <clears throat> one along, and he said, "Jim, I got this verse and chorus on this one." He said, "Won't you help me finish this?" I said, "David, uh, I'm i I did I worked for twenty something years, eighteen hours a day, and sometimes more." That's how hard that I'd work in between doing sessions for everybody, plus Billy Sherrill, and, and playing the clubs with my band.
1: But you was also in between going hunting a lot because that was your relief.
2: Yeah, I'd go to Canada one year, then the next year I'd go to Wyoming, and I'd kill four bear. in my trips to Canada, and uh, I don't know how many antelope and mule deer uh, out west, but I really enjoyed that time. But what was that next song? Am I Blue. Am I blue? Yes, I'm blue. It started the day I lost you. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah.
1: But I, I got at least I went well, to. George Strait number one.
2: But I didn't it. Was it? it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't write it with anyone else, though. I wrote, I it, I wrote it by myself. Well, yeah, wrote it by myself. He brought it by, just, you know, he loved me, and
1: you know, and, uh, you know D- Disney did a. Uh, made for TV with that had all the Donald Duck, all, all of them Chippendale, uh,
2: the the cartoon characters with the song. Yeah,
0: I've got them on my I got them on my phone. I'll show you. Them oh, that. that's too cool. That's yeah. very cool. That's legendary. There being on being on something with Disney.
2: Oh, I'm telling you now, that raised this little shit to be what it's supposed to be, and he and by God, he is. Have you won a
1: Grammy? I, I really I, I haven't. Uh, I wasn't a member of any of those uh, like I should have been. And and uh, probably paid the price for it. I'm really not worried about that. I'm just, I can look back on what I did. I do, I do say to the world that if it hadn't been for Jim Best, I, I would have probably be back in Texas singing honky tonks. Not only that, you don't understand the nights would sit in the room and he'd pull that steel guitar out and he could play and he would take us places that nobody else could. And that's those melodies and those ways he twisted my mind and drove us and made, you know, I grew up really fast, and, then, and I owe him my songwriting
2: career to him. I really do. I just wish I'd had enough sense to take the time to jump in on some of that later stuff that he was writing, those number ones. I just, I could have used part of that, I promise you. I still could
0: use it. But did any of your songs, the artists that sung them, did they get Grammys for certain songs that you? What What's Going in Your World was the
1: uh, uh, ASCAP Song of the Year. Okay. And the number one. It was, right, yeah, it was, and it, it it there's a, a lot of pe- a lot of other people recorded it. I I can't go into all of them.
2: Cause, yeah. you had a couple more cuts with Straight beside that, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I, I had what's going to your world, and now my blue, and then uh, had some album cuts. But, but but people still sing those too. One of them was called Stranger Things Have Happened. And it, I remember it. Yeah, it was his next single. MCA had the singles in, and the lady called me. Was I used to take her uh, little dolls and stuff i'd went to bell cove you know and i'd take them to her and she called and said the singles here the time i got to the street and i walked upstairs the girl said oh no david i said what do you mean oh no they just canceled that single i said why they said a new artist just hit the charts and George chart Strait wasn't gonna do anything to hurt another artist and so i got it dropped sure right. sure enough number one record Oh Lordy! Then I had a song called "Heaven Must Be Wondering Where You Are." I remember that. And I had another one, and I wrote this by myself. Too late now. Yeah. And uh, those five, and then, I I, you know, I hate to mention it, and and I hate but being truthful, I I got on drugs for so many years. I I even lost my writing ability, and uh, I wound up losing all my songs, my writing, song part, and my publishing, and all that. So.
0: How did, how did you lose it? You-
1: I well because uh, I went, I was on the government like two or three hundred thousand dollars, and, and they, a percentage a day it was growing out of bounds. So I just had to take a, a bankruptcy and lost it all. I had no chance. Out of a gun. Well, it's you know it's okay. I didn't know you could lose your song, your songs that way. Well, you had the publishing didn't belong to me, and the writers' right was all I had to, to sell, and so I sold my writers' right, and I got. Cheated out a part of that because it was going to give me a quarter of a million to pay that off. And then the bankruptcy dropped to 130000 So all of a sudden, the people were offering me $250,000 offered me one hundred and thirty. You see what I'm saying? So
0: you were actually selling the rights. It's gone. All of it. To pay the government.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Either that or... What are you gonna do, man? No, I just didn't. know. I'm just trying to understand what was happening.
1: You got to get them I mean, when they they threaten you all the time, you know, about taking this, taking this, taking that. Your home, your money, anything in the future. You got a wife and kids. You know that wasn't important anymore.
0: Yeah. No, just, I get it. I'm just trying to. It sounded like at first to me, the way I understood it was that the government confiscated your song rights, and I was like, that sounds strange. I didn't know. No, he had to sell his his actual. Writers. the riders part right to, I get it now to
2: pay but, off that let
1: me let me explain something they freeze everything you get nothing from anybody now you in whether you starve or not it don't matter you're gonna settle
0: right I settled I get it <laughs> I tell you what I hate about it though is that uh the income tax is actually still in the Constitution listed as ma- as uh, voluntary right. not mandatory it was it was instilled to raise funds during the civil war right so like it was a voluntary thing and it was like uh you know Abraham Lincoln and the government was trying to build money for the uh the war right but the war a, efforts at
1: the same time you couldn't run this beautiful country without 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 the money
0: just the the way they you sure w- couldn't pay all the senators uh 300,000 a year and the and the the vacations that they take—that's for sure. Yeah, and
2: after they come out of office, they get a salary the rest of their the
0: life. The rest of their life, insurance, and then, and then the presidents get Secret Service forever. And I love America, but there's some there's some bad bad things happening with the money. You betcha. And you. when they come against small time people, and there's all these fat cats living, not. Not like the tenant, not like the Tennessee fat cats. <laughs> no offense, <laughs> but there's all these you know big wigs up there sitting there doing nothing but passing laws because the lobbyists told them to pass the laws and they got paid to do it, and they're still taking money out of our pocket and causing you to have to give up your your treasures. because yeah. that's treasures. That's my wife. That ticks me off. Treasure,
1: my my children's treasures. Yeah, it ticks me off. You know what I'm saying? I hate that. Well, the best thing that you can do is forgive everybody and, and don't hold any kind of grudge or grief and do the right thing. And it'll all turn around. It's turning around for me now. I, I grew up with the, uh, like everybody else, I had the Beatles and the Platters and, and, and all the great rock bands and all that. So I, I decided I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstrap, and I've, I've got a great catalog right now. As a matter of fact, if you'll look up Tony Jackson, uh, he's a great, great singer. And I've got his new single coming out called Good Time. And uh, you need to look forward to it. I mean, look for it when it does come out because it's a, it's a great song, and he's a superstar.
0: Tony Jackson. Look him up. What's, what's, his, what's, his, what's the
1: song called? Good Time. Good Time. You want to hear the first two lines? Let's hear it. <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody. I want to be the beat of a song that makes you want to get it on. I want to be the buzz that you get from the wine when the bottle's gone. This bar's closing, and I'm wide open. Baby, let me help you keep your party going. I want to be your good time. Okay. <laughs> I like that now. It's got, okay. a, it's got a modern melody. It's like a, I want to be the beat of a song that makes you want to get it on. I want to be the buzz that you get from the wine when the bottle's gone. This bar's closed and I'm wide open, baby. Let me help you keep your party going. I wanna be a good time, and a lot of that happened with the great writer Jacob Lida. He's he's a superstar.
0: Now, have you heard? it? It's already been cut. It's, I got it on my phone. Does it re- have any of this? No, no, <laughs> none of this on it. No. Okay, I was just
1: checking. No, it, it's it's done. Oh, Snapchat, right. it's done right. Okay. Well, I mean, it's 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 modern music.
0: It is modern. I'm just saying, most modern country is like I, this. I know what you're
1: saying.
0: I, Jim and I go back and forth all the time about uh, the state of country music. Well, you
1: and, can look. Yeah. You can look online, and there's five number ones they put together, and they were all to the played at the same time.
2: In the, same tempo, same
0: tempo, same time, same music. And you couldn't tell them apart except for different words. You can actually do that with a majority of hit songs, mm-hmm. even from Skinner to Hootie and the Blowfish right. to Beatles. I mean, you can do that. You can play, you can go, I can, I can go from, I, I do mashups a lot. So I can go from one mashup to one, one song to another without missing a beat right. and people are shocked. They're like, Hey, that's crazy. You play, that was a, well, you know, it's the same exact music almost, but, The tempo might change, but that's about it, you know. So, I mean, that happens anyway. Right. Even in Jim's era, even though he might not want to admit it, there's plenty of songs that were, the music, the chords were all the same. There's only so many chords. Oh, a whole lot of that. But, you know, one of the biggest country music
2: songwriters, besides David, that I pretty well lived 40-something years with, is Hank Cochran. And he always the first thing out of his mouth was all you need is three chords and some great lyrics. <laughs> That's and true. He lived by it. By God, wrote his songs by it, and he's got he's got the proofs in the pudding. I got a songbook over there right now. On the front of it, he said, "I hope this songbook
0: gets as big as you are, vest." <laughs> the the uh, is that where the the phrase got coined back in that day called three chords in the truth. Country it may, may
2: have come from him because that's where I heard it was from Hank Cochran years ago. And we it had,
0: it had to come from somewhere.
2: We just damn near lived together, you know, as as I, I couldn't lay down at night without being if it was the night I was off or whatever. Even after the years after the band, yeah, at one o'clock in the morning I could I'd get a call about every night or every other night. Get over here, Jim, we've just rolled another one. <laughs> mm. You know, or we have get over roll, here.
0: Rolled another what? Cigarette. It, all they all he talks about is hits. <laughs> oh, wrote. I thought you said rolled. <laughs> wrote. <laughs> Just rolled another one.
2: Well, you know, Hank, uh, I tried to get him to smoke a lot, but he never would. He had, a, had another uh, thing that he loved to do. and uh, So he did his thing, and uh, I did mine. But, you know, the glue that really caused us to be together and to write and do the work we did together and tolerate one another was that when David got up to sing with us, he was absolutely a great singer, singing some of the greatest Western swing, Ray Price and the good stuff that all especially steel guitar players love to play on. And I just look forward to seeing David come in and I'd, I, I'd got to, why would he ask him if he wanted to get up? Ladies and gentlemen, David Chambers coming up, you know, because I enjoyed so much your singing. I want to interrupt you for just a minute. He's right. He did do that.
1: But here we were, I'm mean, trying to impress producers with my singing, trying to do the best I can, and all of a sudden, here's Larry Butler sitting in the front row. Jim Vest called me up. And believe me, this one song, I'm try- I am trying—I can't think of the name of it, but it's really high when you sing it. I mean, it's hard to hit. As soon as I got up there, he knew the key. He said, take it up, key boys. <laughs> hmm. well, who's Larry Butler? Oh, Larry Butler. Uh, he produced... Yeah. Uh, Oh, Lord. How about, uh, how about uh, 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 Gambler? Gambler. Oh. Oh, Lots of standards. Yeah,
2: Gambler, that's one of the biggest songs ever. What's that boy's name, Island in the Stream? What's his name? Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. I remember that, you know, Larry was a dear friend of mine. He'd come by and he'd spend three or four hours. And then a lot of times he'd say, Jim, when you get off, can you come up and see me for just a little while? And I knew right where his office was at, of course, second or third floor, but Back then, a hell, I was running all the time, had legs. And I remember one night I went up and he said, man, he said, I don't know what the hell to do. So we lit us up a damn joint. And I said, play me what you've got. And he had four of me. It was a gambler and uh, uh all I can't
1: think of it either. Me, Go, there was four of them. Yeah, but that second one, he said, what do you think? And it would come. I can't remember it either, but it was a standard, man. I mean.
2: All four of them were some of his biggest <laughs> hits that, that he ever cut. Kenny Rogers? Yes, and yeah. he said, I don't know what to make a damn single out of. I said, shit, just put all four songs on the wall and throw a damn dart. I said, they're all hits. He said, you believe that? And, of course, it really makes me feel good to look back at some of these greatest people like this it was interested enough to mm-hmm. want to know what the hell I thought about it. And I think they always thought that I was a little wiser or smarter than what I really was, you know, but it or maybe happens. they
0: just knew something. You didn't.
2: They thought I knew something. They didn't. Or maybe it was the other way around. Probably the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> But, uh, I remember there was four of those big Kenny Rogers songs. Well, you I'm remember
1: just, this song, Jim? you remember, uh, a, a Johnny Duncan, Hello taxi got a low one down.
2: <laughs> you know, I played on two or three of his biggest records. Yeah, you did. Oh, you can put your boots under my bed anytime. <laughs> exactly. Da 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 da
1: That's what I played. You played a lot of standards. I, I I love what you did on uh, uh, satin sheets. They st- everybody still. I still. I'd be somewhere, uh, Marty, and they would say. Jim, how did you how did you make that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Rolling With The Flow, you played. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it was beautiful.
0: Slide Off Of Your Satin Sheets is probably one of my favorite old-time country songs. Well, when Billy called us up to the office that day, he gave us
2: two or three or four boxes. I think we made two loads to get it all to the van, it was in my van. And back then, this is before cassette tapes, everybody. It's reel-to-reel, and it had boxes about uh, two foot by two foot square, and this a foot deep, full of tapes. And we brought it to my house, and I had a little playing system deal in my basement. And Johnny and I took from like two or 300 songs down to 20. And uh, we we, we picked that, and uh, he... uh, out of the 20, uh, he, we cut 14. Mm. And uh, I, think this, I think the album on it, it might have had 12. I think I had 10 on it. But Billy always liked to cut a little bit of extra. Did you
0: write, slide off your sax? No, I
2: did not. Um, one of my friends wrote that, and uh, I'm trying to... You got a lot of friends. Don't worry about it. Oh, my goodness. I can't call his name right now. <clears throat> All this is starting to run together. But um, one of the things, like I said, the glue that really did us good was just how well you sang. And you knew I had the best talent in the world on that stage. Oh, my gosh, yes. and, But I always look forward to you coming up to sing because of the material you sang. I didn't know that. And it how well you did it. Makes me feel good, Jimmy. I didn't well, know that. Well, we, this goes around the world, they tell me. So, <laughs> by God, they know now.
0: Hello, world. Hello, world. Hello, hello. <laughs> How's things going for you today? So, was the Kenny Rogers song the greatest? I Am oh, the Greatest. No, not that no,
1: one. no, no, it's a slower song. What about I, Lady?
0: No, that it's a great song, but that wasn't it. I'm looking at his top ten now. I'm trying to see. I'll tell you which one it was. Just read them. Uh, 20 Years Ago, I Don't Need You, Lucille, Sweet Music yeah. Man.
2: I think one of them was Lucille. Yeah, well, Lucille was. Pick picked a fine was, time. Was, but that's,
0: that's not the slow standard That that's still a standard. Morning desire. No, nope. uh, we're running out of songs. I prefer the moonlight. Nope. and she believes in me. That's the last. That's she the top. believes in that's me. It. That's it. That's okay. it. And uh, plus the gambler. And uh, gambler's number one. Yeah. And uh, she, that she believes in me is his tenth best. Apparent, according to the Billboard. And Larry Butler was just the sweetest guy.
2: Uh, we wrote a thing called uh, I'm Not Easy, I'm a Lady. And uh, I had my girl singer, which I had a really talented girl singer, Josie Brown, I believe. And I gave her the demo on it, and she
1: <laughs>
2: learned the thing. And uh, the first night that we played it, I'd say about middle of the night, you know, and we decided, here's a new song that uh, you ladies and gentlemen haven't heard, and I, and I hope you like it. Tell me. If you don't like it, I'll throw it away and never play it again. And uh, we got her up there and did the song. The people went crazy. And I happened to look up and Larry Butler was standing right in front of me on the other side of the bar. You know, we played behind the bar. And as I come out behind that bar, he said, don't you ever play that son of a bitch in here again? I said, well, by God, I wrote it. I'll play that son of a bitch anywhere I want to. He said, you don't understand, fat boy. He said, I'm going to cut that damn thing, and I don't want nobody else to hear it, and I don't <laughs> want nobody else to have it. Who and was that? That was Larry Butler, the one did. Okay. He was the producer. Rogers. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. The first time that I recognized him as going to be a productive producer, he said, Jim, he said, I'm going to be doing some stuff on Johnny Cash up there at his studio. He said, Come by and see us. I said, I will. And I figured, well, when I got up there, he'll probably be sitting behind the board. And Johnny, or somebody else will be telling him, you know, what it's all about or what I like and what I ain't going to do, what I am going to do. And I walked in there and said, no, John, no, 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 no. No, no, here's what, here's how it is. Here's what we need right here. And John said, okay, son, and got after it. And I thought, well, by cracky, this boy's going to do something. And then the next thing I know, he's doing some other stuff and some other stuff and Billy Joe Spears. And then later on, he was doing Kenny Rogers and uh, it just uh, the last time I saw him, he was living in Alabama about three years ago, and he said, Jim, we need to get together and write. He said, I want to write with you so bad before I die. He said, I'm not in good health. I said, well, let's just make us a date and get it done, and the next thing I heard was that he was dead. Mm. Same thing with Red Lane. We talked for six months trying to get together, (laughs) and there to get her done. When you get that feeling... You got to act on it. You you know that's right, and that's what Mark Cheryl and I are trying to do now. And David and I, we're we're uh, we got together one day here, but we didn't have a real good title either. One of us liked, so we're we're doing uh, that. Like let's call and talk and see if, if we've got anything that we can sit down and we want to write another hit song together. Oh, we're going. To, yeah. we're, we're going to. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, there's other great writers like
1: Bryce Long. He wrote nothing on the radio. Had a new one not new one not too long ago with John Bardy, a hard to on a dance floor. He loves Jim. He said, I wanna be there immediately. Just let me know.
2: Yeah. Well, we're gonna do it. We're gonna sit right there who, at that desk.
1: Who loves Jim? Everybody. You no, know I'm saying John Party. <laughs> no, I'm saying Bryce Long, the oh. rock ri- he's a songwriter and he wants to come over and write with me and Jim. We had a date and something came up. He couldn't make it and he can't wait to get back.
0: The Only reason I asked that is because I was just I was uh I don't know, four episodes ago, talking to him about John Pardee. Remember that? hmm Yeah. So I, I thought that would be peculiar if he told somebody that he loved Jim Vest, right? That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. He He probably does. He knows you. He seems like a student of the, the old country music. Well, you know, the, the sitting where I was sitting was so
2: important because we absolutely became the thing in this town, and then we became the thing in the whole United States. And then we started getting people that was driving, not driving, but flying from uh, uh, England and uh, uh, Scotland and all of these places coming just to hear what's going on in Printer's Alley and the Nashville cats that come.
1: What was those two guys' name that they were from like Australia or something? You remember those two guys?
2: Uh, You're talking about the twins? Yeah. Lagarde. Yeah. You know what? What? They worked with one of my favorite cowboys, Hopalong Cassidy. Oh, I love Hopalong. And they had a poster from it. And I've got a thing signed by Hopalong Cassidy and the Lagarde right there in the damn corner. I see it, man. Yes, no, sir. no, Yes, What, sir. what, what a treasure. Yeah, right there buddy. in the corner.
0: But I, I, the
2: thing about it was I was in such a place of of uh, everything going on. So I'd have steel players or drummers or whatever that would come in there and say, man, I haven't worked in. I've been looking for a job everywhere, Jim, and I'm just about starved to death. Well, here, take his 20 or something back like in. I was making really good money. I didn't pay no attention to 20 or 40 bucks. And uh, then I'd look out in the audience and I'd see somebody out there, a major artist. i say, hey, don't you need a? Didn't you just lose your drummer? Yeah, he's working out his notice right now. I've got your next drummer. Okay, Vest, send him over here. And I'd walk back and tell me 10 minutes later, but he hired me, hmm. you know, and he didn't know me from shit. Because I recommended him, so I kept so many people working because of in my band or seven for my band, are getting them jobs, or recommending them or opening a door that they could walk in that they couldn't walk in before, and I've never asked really nothing of this town, have I, but I've give everything that I've got my whole life to it, and uh Usually, you know, if somebody was down, I said, come talk to me. I got big shoulders. We'll, we'll figure this out. Don't worry about that no more. You know, and take it off of them. Just take it off of them. It's going to be okay. And they believed me. And nine times out of ten, it was okay. And people like uh, Brent Mason just come to town. And who's using him on his sessions until he got so damn big, I couldn't get him no more. So that's why this goes back to me being so close to so many people and some of the best steel guitar players, like we're talking about Robbie Turner, he used to come in there whenever he was just a teenage kid or 14 or 15 years old, and I'd let him get up. Tommy White, one of our greatest steel guitar players of all time, same thing. His daddy'd bring him in, so that's what it's supposed to sound like, you know, and him playing, practicing eight hours a day, every day. And, uh, and then so many that I touched that I didn't know I touched just like Mike Johnson, one of our great steel guitar players now. He said, Jim, are you in Alabama Hall of Fame? And I said, well, as a songwriter, he said, no, I'm talking about the Steel Guitar Hall of Fame. And he said, you don't know, to this day, he said, I still use some of your licks that you played 15 years ago. He said, I'll play something. I'm thinking, man, that's good. I just played the shit out of that. Uh, that's not quite what I want. you remember that old guy? I don't know if he's still alive or not. Jim Vest, and He said, oh, my God. He said, I'd sit down there and play a one-year-old licks. And, oh, man, that's what I was looking for. That that's made that record right there. So I've been, I've been entwined in so many thousands and thousands of lives. And as far as I know, I haven't given, given many of them any reason not to feel good towards me, about me. But, David, it's just been one of my blessings in my life, you know, and i uh, so proud of you. That's why I wanted to see you on this show and uh, – well, I
1: appreciate it. You know, I, like I said, and no meeting you was a godsend to me.
2: You know. Well, we've, we've had a wonderful friendship for going on fifty years now. Long, long time, Jimmy. Yeah, it sure is. Man, sure y'all sure are old, huh? Well,
0: well pretty <laughs> damn old.
2: <laughs> Not that old.
0: Well, Jim is. Yeah,
2: I'm Jimmy old. Jimmy
0: boy's getting up there. Yeah, but I'm going to get. You well, got a lot older. of life left.
2: I, I do, and and uh, I got a lot of things to do. And he's only like four years ahead of me.
1: Me? Me. You said I don't? No, I said he's only about four years ahead of me in age. He's 79. I'm 75.
0: Son of a gun, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, y'all both old then. It was like- <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what they say about wine, brother? Yeah, it gets sweeter. Yes, exactly. Judging by the song I just heard, I believe it. One quick question. Uh, first of all, Jim, you, it's time for you start asking something from the city. You know, you said you didn't, you ain't asked nothing from the city. You should start asking from the city. Uh, You should get paid back for all that you've done.
2: You know what? The city has been so good to me. Uh, I put the first horses and carriages on the street. There hadn't been a horse and carriage in 70 years on the streets of Nashville. And my friend Terry Bach and I bought three uh, buggies, Surreys and and got the uh, horses to go with them. And before they put them statues down there, naked statues are right on that uh, circle right there there was a uh, Mickey gillie's club yeah and we rented the back uh there was some garages in the back of that nobody used and we rented that for stalls for horses and then we turned around and we put a traveling museum together and i went together and went and gathered everything i could Minnie pearl charlie daniels george jones we had boots guitars hats and we uh walled off the back end of a 45-foot trailer where you just this wide to walk through it. And behind the plexiglass on each side, it was country music, heaven, history. We pulled the boots right off of George Jones's feet to put in there. Right on. Took a fiddle right out of uh, what's-his-name's hands to put in there. Mm. I mean, it was loaded with guitars, suits, uh, all kind of things like that. And uh, so we, we did a lot of things. We was never asked. That we didn't do anything for St. Jude's, crippled children. Uh, we did everything that was asked of us there. But I just, uh, my life has been so blessed, and David's has too, I know because I've watched it. But the good Lord's had his hand on us all the way. And I felt like that it was just something we needed to do, or I needed to do,
0: to give back a little bit. I see. Well, you've done it. Yeah. And thank you for it, David. I want to ask you something before we end the show. Uh when you came to Nashville, while you were waiting in limbo uh to make it, to get a break before you met Jim even, um what did you do? What did you do for money? Worked for Lohan Furniture and and you know, that's you got
1: to work down there just about every day all day. but when I got a break, I would I would run up to Music Row and peddle my songs.
0: Mm. But, um, okay. What other what other hits did you have that we haven't talked about here?
1: I had Keith Whitley's first record with hard act to follow and if yeah. you if you look at his album, it'll say introducing Keith Whitley, a hard act to follow well, yeah. I, had, I had a number one by Charlie Pride. Have I got some blues for you and and there's a lot there, there there's more but keith whitley
0: was is still one of my favorite country singers of all
1: time. well I got something special about that because they said there's a boy at r c a recorded your record. you want to go over and and, 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 and meet him and I said yes, so, so I went over to r c a and he had his uh uh, Keith had some kid with him, maybe a nephew or something young kid, and he had his feet upon the, the council and he said, You a console. He said, You want to hear your song, boy? I said, Yes, I do. Anyway, uh, he told me he was gonna record that song again. I met him and Laurie Morgan backstage of the opera but but he died
0: a couple of weeks later. But anyway It's a real shame that Keith Whitley went as early as he did because he would have he already is, but he, there's no telling what kind of magic he would have created had he lived i mean he was literally the great even the song that he recorded like he didn't he didn't cut it in a studio I, I i understand this if i understand the story right but uh he recorded it on a one of those old what are those old tape things called where you would push record and play at the same time and you could record into it what were those called just a tape recorder i guess just a tape recorder yeah or he he recorded uh Tell Lori I love her. You know that one. Yeah. You heard that one. Yeah. I've oh heard yeah,
1: it. I like standing. I'm no stranger to the rain. That's my one of my favorites.
0: Well, Tell Lori I Love Her is my favorite, and then my second would be. Uh, 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 well, dang it. it, went blank. Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. Oh, That's it. Mercy. I know you loved him. <laughs> That's man. That that voice. Is... You you got a great voice, Marnie.
2: Well, I don't really sing country, yeah. but I thank you for that. He's a he's a fine artist in his
0: own realm, right. and he writes most all of his stuff too. Yeah, country don't sing country anymore either. <laughs> That's what Jim says. Yeah. <laughs> I love country music. Don't get me wrong, but uh, can I mention one more thing? Go for it. I, I wrote this song. and <laughs> Jim knows about
1: it, but you're not going to believe it. John Snyder recorded, it. it's called "How Did You Blank That Up?"
0: <laughs> I, is, it, is it is the the word "blank"? Say that. What is, what? Is, is no. It, it's I, F- I F- no no. You know you know. It is the F word. No, it is the F word.
1: Why do you want to, I don't, I didn't want to put that out there because. We just of, said F word. Because of them though. Yeah. They right. well,
0: already, already, done, already so. know what it is. If it says, if you say, how did you blank that up? They know, they're going to know what, what the word is. Yeah. But it's a, uh, it's, uh, it, And i I'm just, the reason that's, it's interesting is because you're saying that that <laughs> is the title of the song. You want to hear a verse? You got time. You just sang as much as you want. Okay, let me just let me get in my mind, because I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going there for a minute. Let me just think about it a minute. It was good enough for Johnny Cash, good enough for George Jones. And thank God Merle Haggard came along. George Strait still packs them in, singing them country tunes. So I got a question for you How did you blank that up? Should have left it like it was when the steel guitars and the fiddles played. With legends singing on the stage. We handed you the keys
0: to the good stuff. How did you blank that up? But there's more. That's that's not like you wrote that song. (laughs) It's not like you wrote that song, Jim. That's literally exactly the words that came out of your mouth. (laughs) I know. Well, I've been a bad
2: influence on the boy, you know. Thank God. I see. A bad good one.
0: David, before we go, we always end the show with an unbelievable fact. Just a random fact out of the world that is hard to believe it's true. You ready for it? Right. Jim, you ready? I think. You're gonna like this one. Okay. Listen close, All okay? Right. Before the term bloopers was coined as outtakes in movies, you know what that means, right? Yeah. Bloopers are yeah. the outtakes. The outtakes were called boners. Boners. Yeah. Never heard That's not what we, call, we called it when we said boners. Oh, uh, a boner. No, it, it, it changed for that reason. But back in the day before blooper was coined, it was called a boner. I didn't know that. I thought a boner was right after a chubby. <laughs> it, 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 me. it is now. It is now. That's why they changed it. So they didn't want to say special features in the DVD would be, you know, it comes with special boners. You know what you, I mean?
2: You know, I wish we had us a whole audience out here because it would be so much fun. You know. Well, we, we
0: do have a whole. Audience. We do
2: have a lot of
1: fun. We owe a lot to people like Marty too that takes the time to do something for everybody. You know, I mean. We're well, the,
0: Dad Gum, ain't he a special man? To, to but, but that's acknowledge
1: a, me. Well you've got a lot of gear set up in the other room and here and everything. You're sitting there with the earphones. You're taking your time, and you and, and it's obvious to me you care.
0: I do care a lot. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I really do. That means a lot to me. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. He's the first guest that acknowledged me, and uh, that means he just won an award. I'll talk to him when (laughs) you turn that damn thing off. (laughs) (laughs) He'll set you straight real quick. (laughs) David Chamberlain, thank you so much for coming in. and We are now Buddies for Life. Yes, we are. uh, Jim? Thank you for having David uh, home and uh, Say pleasure. your farewells. Yeah, my pleasure. God bless everybody. God bless y'all. God bless the USA. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank y'all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Roadcaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. David Chamberlain, thanks so much for being on the show. You've done a lot of things that many of us can only dream of. You've been through it and back. God bless you and God bless everybody that listens. Thank you so much, Road, for supplying the sound. Please subscribe, rate and review, and share. Love you.